1: Welcome to Podski Wee Wee I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham.
1: Mike, it's a- another special episode between you and I. But this one's a little bit more fun than the last one we had to do. This is and this was a planned one too. We decided earlier in the week we were going to drop a show and hold off on Grey Cup Talk because we thought it deserved kind of a, a much larger Discussion than we normally do when we do game previews. And because Grey Cup's happening, you knew we both knew there were going to be rumors flying around. News was going to be dropping left, right, and center. So we both kind of agreed that this would be fun to do a, another second show to cover kind of everything that's happened so far during Grey Cup week. And I think we can just dive right into the news because there's been a, a lot of things coming out the last few days about uh, the future of the CFL. I guess we'll kind of go chronologically here with how I heard the news. Um, the first thing is something we were going to cover on Monday, but we kind of ran short on time. And that was the report that I believe it was uh, Dunkster, Justin Dunk, our buddy, who had it first, that Paul LaPolice wants, <laughs> this made me laugh, Chris Strebler to be his starting quarterback for the Ottawa Redblacks in 2022. What did you think when you heard this news?
0: Well, my first thought was, he's not a starting quarterback in the cfl or the nfl or any league for that matter i mean you have to be able to you know throw the ball effectively and he just doesn't have that in his repertoire um he's a good backup who can come in and change it up like he did with uh, winnipeg in 2019 him and claros were a good combination but uh you know to be the starter and taking all the reps is uh it makes you question Paul Apelis, that's for sure. I
1: said, please let this happen for the same reasons you did. He's not a starting level quarterback. He's, I mean, and I know people don't like when we discuss NFL stuff, but he's the CFL's version of Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is a player I would love to have on my team. I think he is a super useful gadget player. You can bring him in at quarterback. Maybe he throws. Maybe he runs. You can line him up at tight end. You can put him on special teams. I think Chris Drevler, I would love if the Ticats had a player like Chris Drevler on the team. I don't want him starting at quarterback for my team because he can't throw. Like, how many years do we go through the whole should Tim Tebow come up to the CFL and the guys who are like, yeah, bring him up. And then everyone else was like, but he can't throw the damn football. What good is he going to be in a league that relies on you throwing the football more than does not you running the football? We've seen what Chris Grever looks like as a starting quarterback. He can be adequate when he played for Winnipeg when he started a few games his rookie year in 2018, but he wasn't great at he's he's a great runner. He's great to have to, to throw it there to throw a defense off. But if you're going to prepare him to be your starting quarterback for 14, 18, however many games we end up having going forward, I mean, I'm as a as someone who wants the Red Blacks to not succeed, I'm all for it. give him give him the moon. And you're going to pay him starting quarterback money because right now he's on the practice roster of the Baltimore Ravens. He spent a year and a half with the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. He's made like a million dollars in the NFL. Like he's not in it for the money. But if you're going to pry him loose from the NFL. You're going to have to give him half a million dollars, you know, $400,000 a year to be your starting quarterback. You're going to be paying him to be, you're, he's probably going to be one of the top three to five paid players in the league for a guy to play quarterback for you. That's not really that good at it. Yeah. I'm I'm all for
0: Ottawa doing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. And then even, in, even as a backup, I mean, we, we know how many starting quarterbacks get injured in this league. Even as a backup, you might have to play him, you know, half a season or, you know, at least a couple games. And uh, I just don't think he can pro- be productive in this league, you know, throwing the ball. So, you know, even as a backup, it's it's a questionable decision in my opinion.
1: Well, do you remember when he came in in 2018 at first? I guess Matt Nichols got hurt because that's what Matt Nichols does. And, like, that first game, everyone was like, oh, my God, I think he threw for, like, 200 yards, ran for, like, another 100 and something. And everyone was like, oh, my God, look at this guy. He's great. And then he's kind of maintained that aura around him despite the fact that ever since then he's... I mean, when Matt Nichols got hurt in 2019, the Bombers didn't turn the offense over to Streveler. They went and traded for Zach Caleros. Like, they, the Bombers didn't trust him to be their starter. If If... if the Bombers didn't make that move. The Ticats are defending Grey Cup champions because Streveler would not have gotten Winnipeg to the Grey Cup and therefore Winnipeg wouldn't have beat Hamilton the great, You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we've seen what he's capable of and like I said, he's a great player to have. I think every team would want a player like Chris Strevler on their team. I think there's nine teams in the CFL. I think eight would absolutely laugh at the idea of him being their starting quarterback and apparently one actually wants him to do that and it's... Mind boggling. Like, Ottawa hasn't had the quarterback position right since they let Trevor Harris walk out. They've gone through how many different guys trying to get this right. And this is the, like, if I'm a Red Blacks fan, I'm just shaking my head and slapping my forehead, going, like, what the heck are we doing?
0: Yeah, if I were them, I'd, you know, I'd be bringing in some guys to compete for for that starting job. I liked what uh, Caleb Evans brought to the table. I thought, you know, he threw a lot of interceptions and, you know, that made him, Look, not as good as he he might be, but I was impressed with uh, with a lot of his play. So I, I think that they should give him a shot next season. If, if I were them, but you know, if they want to bring in a guy, you know, Tim Tebow, North, then uh, then go for it. Yeah,
1: I think I read in the in the the news from Dunk that LaPolice thinks Strevler is a better thrower huh? than than Evans. It's like how. Yeah. How he can't he's not he's not a great quarterback like he can't throw the ball no and Evans, you you're you're right he's he i mean look at the talent in ottawa there wasn't any there if he wasn't getting the ball like Devontae deadman like they were they were cooked but yeah i i'm all for you want to bring streveller in and like have him compete for the job i guess i don't know I, to me there's gonna be a a plethora of potential starting caliber quarterbacks out there on the market. Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to be out there. McLeod Bethel-Thompson is a free agent. We know Trevor Harris or Vernon Adams, more than likely Trevor Harris, is going to be out there. Uh, Jake Mayer or Bo Levi-Mitchell, like I'm not trying to start anything, but like they have a decision to make there between those two guys. Like there's going to be a number of guys that we've seen play in this league and be competent and successful as a quarterback. And you're going to go give three hundred fifty, four hundred fifty thousand dollars 450000 to Chris Streveler to... Throw some arm punts on and 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 run. Like, they're
0: going to run the ball every play with him, or like you know, yeah. On, um, I don't see the logic behind it at all.
1: No, no, neither do I. Um, so next piece of news, we kind of tiptoed around this a little bit. Uh the last when we talked about the whole nonsense between the Ty Cats fans and Argos players and all that other sort of stuff. But the CFL came out earlier this week and indefinitely suspended Argos vice president of football operations John Murphy for a video that surfaced where, again, allegedly used a homophobic slur and slapped a Thai Cats fan, causing even more duress during that whole idiotic situation that happened last Sunday. How was he not just shit-canned? Like, and and how is it the seat? C- now, maybe there's an investigation going on and the Argos can't do anything, but for this to come from the CFL level and not from the Argos level, I think makes the Argos look, bad do you not agree
0: yeah it does but maybe they just don't even know about it like MLSC, they don't even know they own the argonauts so (laughs) maybe they don't even know about the situation like john who yeah exactly who's that guy um but you're right you know i think there was a player in edmonton who made some twitter yeah
1: christian jones we talked about on the show
0: yeah and he was like immediately or canned from the team so yeah it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me but at least you know the cfl did something about it because you you just can't be <clears throat> you know especially in you know in any time but especially in this day and age where everyone is uh you know hypersensitive to uh um inappropriate comments uh you just can't be doing that
1: yeah for a league that trumpets diversity is strength as one of their slogans you can't be having a a guy who's who essentially runs the team. And I know you got a little heat on Twitter for calling him the GM, uh, but then uh, Frank Ziccarelli from the Toronto Sun said that John Murphy was the de facto general manager. So everyone that gave you heat for that I think owes you a, a pretty big apology because uh, pinball's not out there negotiating contracts and worrying about the salary cap. That was Murphy. And Murphy's the guy that was recruiting guys and signing guys. He's the one that apparently tried to get Nate Hawley who his contract wasn't allowed in the CFL because of their stance against violence against women. So like, this is uh this seems to be a pattern of behavior with, with Murphy. And I mean, if I'm the Argos, I want to cut ties with him just off the fact that he did this and all this other stuff that he's gotten away. Like I'm I'm hoping at some point, and I I think they will, um, we'll make a statement and, and more than likely relieve him of his duties as vice president of football operations. It just, for all the heat the tie cats have taken, and I think you might have even mentioned on the show, Bob Young and the tie cats being like, "How come you haven't come out and reprimanded the fans who were causing all that trouble on Sunday?" For the Argos to not really release anything on this situation, mm-hmm. it's it's the same boat, right? Like if we're going if you're if you're a fan of the Argos and you're gonna yell about the tie cats not talking about the fans, then you got to get on the Argos for not talking about someone who actually works for them,
0: right? And, like, you know, you're responsible for the people that work for you, right? Yeah. I mean, the Bob Young isn't responsible for people he doesn't know, has no association with, that just follow the team. So, <clears throat> so they, you know, they can bring someone else in and then, you know, pinball can pretend to be the GM, you know, behind the scenes with that guy in place. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens with it.
1: All right. Speaking of the Argos, Chris Jones, as we know, famously came up to the CFL again this year and was, what was it? What did they call him? my like, defensive consultant, but he was calling the damn defensive plays and yeah, he was the defensive yeah. coordinator because yes. their previous defensive coordinator refused to get vaccinated. So they sent them home. So like, I don't know if this was a way to circumvent the coach's cap or what have you, but Chris Jones was the defensive coordinator for the Argos. He might be the next head coach and general manager, of the Edmonton Elks. And Chris Jones, great coach, won a Grey Cup in Edmonton as their head coach. But during that Grey Cup run was openly flirting with, and then ultimately accepted the GM and head coaching job in Saskatchewan like days after Edmonton won the championship. Edmonton needs stability. They're, maybe right now they're at at that precipice of like, not falling off the map like the Argos have in Toronto, but you... Well, you're there. You saw the crowds at games. You've seen the... Like, they've had this run here where they've just been, this year in particular, just almost unwatchable, and fans got disinterested, and then they're the one team that had all the COVID outbreaks, and it just went from bad to worse in Edmonton this year. To bring in a guy like Chris Jones, who no doubt would make them a better team, but he's not exactly the model of stability. This is a guy who is always looking for his next opportunity. I I mean, in the short term, he would probably build them up in a year or two to be a great cup contender, but then he'd be out of there coaching somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the last thing that Edmonton needs right now.
0: Yeah. With all the, the BS that's gone on here, um, you want to bring someone in who's committed, you know, is committed for uh, many years, unless it all falls apart and you have to fire him and bring someone else in. But you know, Chris Jones is a is a great defensive coordinator. He's proven to be a really good head coach, um, but I I wouldn't bring him in and give him the GM and the head coach and 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 you know all the hats again like he had before. It's just uh, too much of a risk, and uh, I think they should you know not rehash history. Um, I think they should find someone new, find someone experienced, but someone new, and uh, move ahead from there. What about
1: getting Devon Claybrooks? Like, I think that that's Mm -hmm. a guy who didn't have anywhere near long enough opportunity in BC. And he was the scapegoat for a bad Lions team that then were bad again this year with a completely different head coach. So it wasn't his idea. Hire a general manager who, like, there's a lot of, you know, guys in football operations staffs across the, the league. Pluck one of them to be your new GM. Bring in a guy like Devon Claybrook, someone who has a little bit of experience, but has a lot of CFL experience and let it. Like, don't force this to be done quickly. I think that's where, like, yes, we saw the Argos go out and sign a bunch of people. They finished first in the East, game away from getting to the Grey Cup. You can turn a team around in the CFL rather quickly, but with just the structural and foundational problems that have existed in Edmonton for the past couple of years, it feels like something where I think the fans would accept a slow kind of build back into relevancy.
0: I agree. Um, I think the fan base is here. I think they will come back um, if the team gets respectable again. Um, do you think? Sorry, did,
1: sorry to cut you off. Do you think them? Ahead. Do you think the fans will? You're because you're there. You you know better than I do. Do you think them firing Sunderland, Elizondo, and Chris Prieston, Do you think that is going to be enough to get? Because at least they're doing something. Um, you I think so. Cause, I, I, cause, 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 what I saw online, and again, that's only a, that's a small microcosm of, of, of what it is, is that a lot of people were just, just did not trust Brock Sunderland and didn't like the team under his leadership. And that mm-hmm. if he was gone, it would kind of maybe restore some faith in the fan base. Am, am I offbeat on
0: that? No, no, I, th- I think you're completely right. The people that I've talked to, the Elks fans, um, you know, they wanted him gone badly. Uh, he's, he did a terrible job here. And I think that they probably won some fans back with, uh, you know, cleaning house. Uh, do I think that they're going to be, you know, top of the league again in attendance next year? Probably not. It'll probably take a while to build this thing back up. But I do think that uh, they, they, they will come back. I think that they were just fed up with that regime. And uh, they were very happy when uh, they got rid of them all.
1: Do you think they... The fan base gets more despondent if Jones is eventually the guy they hire. Like, do you think this is one of those things where, they're like, oh, you did a good thing? It's like, oh, this is the guy you replaced him with. Like,
0: yeah, that's more a tough of the one. same. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I'm, you know, I know that there were some bitter feelings once uh, Chris Jones left for Saskatchewan, but, um, you know, they won a Grey cup with Chris Jones at the helm. So maybe a large portion of the fan base will be happy with that hire, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Like, maybe if they start winning, people won't care that he's. Yeah basically winning
0: pretty much solves everything right yeah
1: yeah there's they're 7 and 3 going into labor day i think fans will be okay with and that they, you, know it, what I mean? you know even like you
0: know somewhat entertaining football like yeah oh yeah they they years, were they
1: were boring to watch this year well, i mean everyone
0: was kind of boring to they watch were boring. But they were especially boring to watch yeah they were like the 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 most boring to watch um the you know, even the year before in 2019, there wasn't very many entertaining games that I remember. So, you know, the the entertainment value of the of Elks football has been pretty low for several years now. So, I think that they get some more excitement on the field, and then uh, people will start coming back. And going winless at home doesn't help either, does it? Oh no, not at all. not at
1: all when you when you're paying tickets to go to go see something hoping a to be entertained and b if you're a sports fan to see your team win when you're when
0: you're when you know that they they're not going to like that's the worst feeling in the world yeah and just all the the bad you know pr stuff the 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 firing of the equipment manager that was with the team for 49 years the the joey moss stuff um it's just been a, a real big you know it's been a nightmare here um for elk's fans the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, they just been putting out fire after fire, right? And it's just yeah. like they could never like it seems like they got a boost from the name change and then everything right. after that just got just
0: made everything almost like negated the fact that they made the right call there, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was uh that seemed to be like the only right call that they made in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um okay, last bit of CFL news. This came out of the Commissioner's State of the League address that was earlier today, as we record this on Friday night ahead of Grey Cup Sunday, that the CFL is going to adopt revenue sharing. Um, Mike, this is long overdue as far as I'm concerned. The Every other major sport, uh, the NFL being the big one, shares revenue and every team is basically profitable. This coming to the CFL, I think, is a no-brainer. I don't care what people west of Ontario think. You want the league to thrive. You want the league to survive. I think this was a
0: necessary step. <clears throat> yeah, I think so too. I mean, how much longer, like how many more owners are going to be in Toronto and, you know, Montreal and BC? Um, eventually people are going to look at this thing and say, we cannot make, we can't even break even with these franchises. So um, listen, I get, I get that you you look at a, a big corporation like MLse and, and you know, you're the Saskatchewan rough. Riders. like, why are we sending them money? I know that's the big gripe, but if you want a healthy league, I think this is a big step towards it.
1: Well, the green Bay Packers are, are the same. They're a hugely profitable team, a community owned team in the NFL. They pool their money with the multi-billion dollar franchises and multi-billionaires who own the other NFL teams like everybody else, because it makes the league stronger. It's stronger when every team has the same, that's why the salary cap's the way it is in the NFL. Like, again, you can't model everything after the National Football League, but a lot of things that they do on the business side of things they're, they're works. Top. It works. It's why they're number yep. one.
0: Yep. Yeah. They're just rolling in cash. It's just ridiculous how much, how much money they make. Um, and, you know, obviously the CFL will never get to that level, but you can look and, and take thing, things away from, uh, you know, organizations that are successful like that, and I think it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, like, you never hear, like, the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably the worst team in the NFL, like, where they're located,
0: mm-hmm.
1: interest, like, fan base. All that stuff. And, like, the only thing, you, like, you hear of them potentially moving to London, like, England, but that's not really a thing. And, they, and and even when they were for sale a few years ago, they found a billionaire who was willing to buy the team. Like, you need, when, when teams in the NFL go on sale and again it's i'm not it's an apples and oranges comparison i don't it's not fair but when you have a team that's as unsuccessful as jacksonville that someone would pay a billion dollars for that tells you that the, the league that people have faith billionaires who don't like to waste money have faith that the league is strong enough that even if i'm buying 32 of 32 i'm not worried about losing my shirt on this investment mm-hmm. whereas in the CFL it's not the same thing and hopefully this revenue sharing stuff will allow teams to at least break even. I think that I don't think that there's like the tie cats are probably a small moneymaker. Um, and I'd be okay with if, if everyone's, if we pull it all together and everyone comes out with the same, I don't really see an issue with that because the, the flip side of that is we keep hoarding our own money and it's a five team league and no one gives a crap.
0: Yeah. It's, um, you know, no one buys the CFL team. Like the the you know the Saskatchewan Roughriders obviously make quite a bit of money. Uh, the Bombers, um, all the community-owned teams seem to make pretty good money. Minus the Elks, probably this year and maybe last last season we played. Um, <clears throat> but you know, no you know Montreal owners they're not buying the Montreal Alouettes because they think they're going to make cash like a ton of money. You know what I mean? They, it's a rich person's toy basically. Mm-hmm. And if everyone could break even or make a little bit of money. I think uh, the Canadian Football League would be a great success.
1: Well, there is no
0: Canadian Football League without every team that's currently in the league. Quite honestly, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, if we go back to eight teams, I mean, that would be like, you know, if we lose any teams, it'd just be. We struggled so hard to get back to nine with Ottawa. We lost it. We lost it with the Renegades, and then we came back, and now we have nine teams again. To go backwards again would just be horrible for the league,
1: especially if that team's in Vancouver or Montreal or Mm -hmm. Toronto. If it's one of those teams, Toronto in particular, like I, I've got no love lost for the Argos, especially over this past week. But the CFL is nothing without a team in the biggest market in the country. I, I I don't know why people don't understand that.
0: No. Uh, You know, a lot of people, I see a lot of people saying, uh, just, just, you know, move the Toronto Argonauts to wherever. And it's like, eh, you know, that's, that's, that's not a good idea. Um, they want a team in the biggest market in Canada, TSN, um, you know, the next uh, TV network to maybe purchase the rights. It'd probably be TSN again, but but TSN wants Toronto in the league and uh, pr- advertisers want Toronto in the league. So it would be a totally different CFL if we lost Toronto.
1: The CFL would be junior hockey yep. in, in importance. I, I mean, I know a lot of people out there love junior hockey. Um, cool, but how often do you see junior hockey coverage on any of the major sports networks when it's not the Memorial Cup? Mm-hmm. Um, the CFL would be the Canadian Premier League or the Canadian Basketball League. Like these are all great leagues. I'm season ticket holder to the Canadian Premier League. I, I love the game. It gets the championship game was last Sunday, and I don't think anyone talked about it on either of the major sports networks. So. There's work to Which like is those
0: unfortunate. Are, I mean, that's just like it's stupid. Know, just, I mean, they should be at least covering it, like whatever, man. Like, ugh, it, it bugs me. The, no, same, uh, but what a, even if
1: even if I don't like the sports, these are these are this is could you imagine being in the states and they're like, we're not covering baseball because yeah. we think it's a, a second, like that's just dumb. But I'm just what I'm what my point is without a team in Toronto, potentially without a team in Vancouver. Mm-hmm you're you're looking at coverage the like tsn is not giving you 50 million dollars a year to broadcast games between the the riders and uh and the stampeders as much as those audience that those those teams bring in an audience especially the riders it's i'm sorry but saskatchewan you're you might be the financial engine of the league right now but you're the financial engine of nothing if there's no team in toronto and i say that as someone who absolutely hates the argos but that's just a the the straight truth without the Argos there the CFL is it gets even less coverage than it does now which is already criminally low
0: yeah yeah I agree I mean even with Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver it's uh you know ignored by uh stations that don't have the rights so uh minus those big markets uh, I, I don't even want to think about it
1: yeah but the point is, revenue sharing looks like it's on the way. Hopefully, this will be the start of building up the CFL to be more prosperous, and ownership groups can, like you said, at least break even if not make a little bit of money. And if that's the case, then there'll be no reason to move teams or threaten to move teams or worry about this, that, or the other. Everyone will be everyone will be healthy, and then we can think of growing the game instead of worrying about where the next catastrophe is that we have to figure out how to stop.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, maybe if... Um you know people in the maritimes or Bingo! Uh, quebec city you know they look at you know well, we could we could break even you know we could make a little bit of money we're not going to, to lose to, money maybe we yeah. should bring a team exactly exactly so yeah
1: if all these fans out there west of west of ontario want the league to get bigger want a team in halifax want a team in quebec city want another team out west would you want a 10 12 team cfl revenue sharing's a way to get there i think more so than cuz clearly what they've been doing before wasn't working how many ownership groups have we seen amongst the how, how many david how many teams did david barely have to own before this the owners got together and apparently they got together and, and agreed to this that tells me that they're if they're all on the same page that's a good because that's that's very rare in the cfl where the owners aren't okay. snipping at each other all the xfl stuff remember back in the spring that was all the backroom stuff and all we heard about that this at least feels like if everyone's coming together on this that's a, a push in the right direction, and. Hopefully that leads to a, a much stronger CFL and then potentially an expanded CFL. And that's what everyone wants. And if that's what you want, you might have to cough up, cough up a little money to get it. I'm sorry, Riders. You didn't make $7 million this year. You made five, and the rest went to help other teams make money. I, I don't got a problem with that at all.
0: Nope. Nope. Nope.
1: Okay. That's the news. And now we get to the fun part. We are talking the Grey Cup, Mike, for the... Second time in the show's existence, you and I are previewing the last game of the year with the Ty Cats involved. Second year in a row, you and I have sat down to do a Grey Cup preview where the Hamilton Tiger Cats are playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And overall thoughts—I uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to spoil this—but uh, you're, you're not feeling too strong right now about this game, are you?
0: I'm not. You know, the, the Ted Laurent news is unfortunate. Um, obviously, we want him. You know, to be healthy, and that's the most important thing. But it's so tie cats, isn't it? Like, one of our best players um, has a non-football-related injury two days before the big game. And I think it's going to have a big impact on this game. You know, without Teddy Laurent in the middle, um, you know, we still have Dylan Wynn, obviously, and he's awesome and, and great. But, uh, you know, it's going to be easier for Harris to run right through the middle, right down our throats. And that's what he did in uh, 2019, And I think that, you know, you're going to have to juggle things with the ratio. I'm just, I'm really worried right now. And I think that, you know, I hate to say this. I don't think we're going to win this game. I think that we're going to get our asses kicked.
1: I couldn't disagree with you more about getting the asses kicked. I now obviously. Okay. So let's get, let's get into the, the, what you were talking about. You you touched on Teddy Laurent. He has Mm -hmm. missed the last two days of practice. uh, had an emergency appendectomy. I think it's safe to say he's not playing on Sunday. I don't know. I've never had, I haven't had my appendix out. I don't know if you've had your appendix out. Uh-uh. Um, I don't know how long it takes to recover from that, but I feel like two days, three days is probably not enough to get you back onto the field. So I think it's fair to say that he's not going to play on Sunday. So now we have to look at what they can do. Cause this is the big thing about this is, this is one of your seven Canadian starters. We know they're not going to make a ratio change along the offensive line because I think for the first time all season, I feel like the offensive line's actually, and I know they gave up five sacks against the Argos, but it feels like they're playing their best football the last few weeks. Once it, it got to the Van Zyl, um, Woodmanzie, Sorako, Revenberg, Murray group, I feel like that's their best five. And then once once they were able to play with that, I think two weeks in a row, We've seen them play a little bit better. Um, so the move's going to come on defense, or which would be, sorry, I, I cut myself off there, which would be what we've seen in the last few weeks. Tunde Adelike moving to halfback, Stavros Katsantonis playing at safety. There's your two Canadian starters on defense. You have your five on offense with the uh, the, uh, the four offensive linemen and then uh, our receiver. The other option is Don Jackson sits and you start Sean Thomas Erlington. To me, that's a no go. No. I, you have to play Don, Don Jackson has been such a difference maker for this team on offense that you have to play him. So the move has to be a delicate, halfback and cats
0: and Tonus to safety, right? Yeah. I, I, you have to get Don Jackson on the field. He just, you know, even with a lackluster, you know, run blocking from the offensive line, I just feel like he can make plays and, and, you know, at least get you four or five yards each, every time he touches the ball. Okay. So we're in agreement there. The reason
1: I don't think they're going to get their asses handed to them is it's it's more of a gut feeling than anything sort of like statistical or anything like that. I think one is playing at home. We've seen, especially recently, I, this game reminds me more and more of the 2013 Grey Cup than any other Grey Cup of recent memory. That was the Ticats going into Regina to play the Rough Riders. It was lambs to a slaughter. It was... The Ticats going into a sea of green and just getting their asses handed to them. I don't I don't think they're going to blow out the Bombers by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like that home crowd gives them gives them a little bit of a boost, even with the loss of Laurent. And the second thing is, we haven't really seen Winnipeg play good football in over a month. And it reminds me of all those Stamps teams that ran roughshod over the regular season and then throttled it down near the end. And then, yes, got to the Grey Cup, but then had a hard time maintaining that. We saw the, the Stampeders in 16 and 17 lose to an under 500 Ottawa team and a 500 uh, Toronto team and get down early in the game. We just saw Winnipeg play perhaps its worst game of the season against Saskatchewan, turning the ball for what, six times in the first half? They were lucky that the Riders are incompetent and couldn't get any points off of it. It just feels like the Bombers are a little rusty. And I know Harris had a big game um, and all that stuff, but the, those two factors, the kind of stampedering of, of Winnipeg this year and the home crowd just leads me towards, I don't think they're going to get their asses handed to them. And in fact, I think they're going to win, but I think it'll be close. Like I could see a touchdown, maybe a 10 point victory where they, you know, isolate with a field goal or something. Um I just, even with the injury, I it, it just, I feel like there's too much good. Again, this is all just non, you know what I mean? Like, it's nothing concrete. I, it just feels, something feels different about this one than the previous times we've watched this team in the Grey Cup.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> i also pretty disappointed that Addison probably won't be playing. I mean, he was uh, yeah. not practicing with the first team today. Uh, maybe he surprises us and gets in the game. Uh, but I'm just I'm just so worried. You know, Chris Van Zyl has been one of the best offensive linemen in this league for many years. He got absolutely slaughtered in the Grey Cup in 2019. We got another you know rookie Murray playing at the other tackle position. He's gonna probably get slaughtered against these two defensive ends. Um, I just don't see Dane Evans having any any time back there. And then then the middle of the defensive line for the Bombers is nothing to sneeze at either. So I mean. Don Jackson is great, but if there's no you know room to run, um, if he's getting hit in the backfield every time, then we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I just feel like the quarterback's not going to have any time, and Don Jackson is going to be limited. And I, I hate saying this, and I may, maybe I'm just saying it because um, I'm you, always wrong, and <laughs> uh, I'll be wrong again. But, I was going to say, uh, you're saying this
1: because you want to be wrong, aren't you?
0: Yeah, and I, I just have a bad feeling. I don't know. Maybe it's my Ticat fandom that— Something will always go wrong. You know, we've been to three Grey Cups in the last, you know, since 2013. We lost them all. Um, are we the Buffalo Bills? I know it's not four in a row, but, um, you know, I'm just worried. I'm I'm paranoid. I woke up this morning, and I was positive, And now I'm just completely <laughs> the opposite.
1: It, it, so it's the Teddy news that's kind of flipped you then because you yeah, didn't have the that, that news.
0: And then I saw that Addison wasn't practicing with the first team. I'm like... Uh, I know that we have, you know, Timmy White's been awesome. Um, Acklin has been incredible in the postseason. We still have Brandon Banks. But I I just, if we had had Haddison in the lineup and he was, you know, 90%, 80%, 90%, I think that he could make a difference in this game.
1: Okay. Um, All right. Uh, Offensively speaking, I guess you've kind of given your reasons why, what you're worried about. Um, I'd like to kind of shoot off some, some ideas to you of, of ways I think that the Thai cats can, can have success offensively. Um, and you can shoot them down. You can, you can come up with reasons why I'm wrong. Um, I think they, they have to find a way. Okay. So in, in the 2019, I was, I was looking up some stats before we recorded. And again, because that 2019 Grey cup was over two years ago now, and I've kind of flushed it from my memory. I forgot how bad that game started and it started with a sack an inter- or I think it was an interception on the very first play. Um, and then the next time I had the ball, I think it was a sack and a strip sack fumble. And then Winnipeg gets out to this big lead, and then it's kind of like all downhill from here. But I think it was, I think I read somewhere that it was like 12-6 or 12, I can't remember what the number was going into the second quarter like it wasn't a the bombers weren't running away from it despite the fact that they had gotten a bunch of breaks early on. It just felt like okay, Harris is kind of running all over them. The defense is just is absolutely annihilating them. It this is over even if the score doesn't indicate that's over. I don't think that's going to happen again, and I think that Don Jackson is a big reason for it. I think you can you can I and I understand you're thinking okay, last time these guys played, those Jackson, uh, Jeffcoat, and Willie Jefferson just ate the lunches of Van Zyl and Riker Matthews, and now you have replaced Riker Matthews with Jordan Murray. Oh, my God, I'm so concerned. They didn't have a run game in that Grey Cup. I think they're going... And we've seen them use the run game early in these playoffs. I think they're going to use the run game, and that's going to slow down the pass rush. And I think the more you're able to keep the the defense off kilter... I think you have more of a chance to keep this game close and potentially pull it out.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see that. Um, I think that they need to do, you know, I know we've been pushing this all season long, but, you know, some screen passes and and some jet sweeps and and all that good stuff that uh, was incorporated into the offense here and there throughout the season. Um, Because, you know, uh, Jefferson and uh, Jackson are, you know, that's a tandem that is up there all time for, for at least in my lifetime that I've seen, so they need to they need to have a great offensive game plan to pull this one out.
1: I also think they need to use the, Dane Evans' mobility. I, Evans even talked about it earlier mm-hmm. this week, talking about how he needs to not he doesn't have to. He said himself, "I don't have to be Michael Vick, but I I need to use my feet more and, and make plays." And we saw a little bit of that in the East Final against the Argos. I think again, if if you find ways to maybe even a couple designed runs for him early in the game. I think a lot of this is going to come down to the run game for the Ticats. If they're able to run the ball, eat some clock, and keep the crowd in it offensively, like, don't commit too many turnovers. Don't go 2 and out too often. Like, they kind of have to almost reverse course from what we've seen early on in the game. Like, I think offensively they need to, and this sounds stupid, score points early. Like, we've seen too many times with this team... The the biggest example you and I can remember from this year was the Ottawa game where they were up what eight to three going into halftime, and it's like you're up five points on the freaking Red Blacks at halftime. I like, this is pathetic. And then in the second half they rolled. They're not going to be able to do that against Winnipeg. Winnipeg's obviously a much better team than Ottawa, but if they can find a way to sustain some drives and don't get down offensively, like if it's a if it's a close game, single digit score line, stuff like that. I think that that I think I would consider that, especially in the first half, a win for the offense. If they go into the second half within striking distance, I think that's when you could see the team kind of take the next step in the second half.
0: Yeah, there's there's no way that they can they just cannot fall behind early because then they'll get away from the run game mm-hmm. and um, like even in the, you know the Toronto game in the East final there they didn't score any points in the first half and maybe that's. Uh, a little bit of a Mazzoli thing because he kind of slow, you know, starts slow. Um, maybe with Dane Evans back there, we can have a better, hotter start.
1: Yeah, and I just don't think they're going to turn the ball over as much as they did in, in the last Grey Cup. Like every, if anything could have gone wrong in that Grey Cup, it did for Hamilton. Like it yeah. just all went downhill, It went downhill early, and then you're you're just you're running uphill, holding weights. Um, defensively, I think the biggest thing is stopping Andrew Harris. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with Ted Laurent out of the lineup, that's going to be difficult. But the Ticats did have the best run D in the league. They allowed less than 80 yards per game. One player this year rushed for over 100 yards on the Tabbies. That was Brady Oliveira in Week 1. And they only had two other players rush for more than 80 yards. William Powell in Week 2 had 89. John White in Week 6 had 84. The The best backs in the league, the guys, uh, William Stanback, who tonight is up for MOP. 40 yards, 59 yards, 29 yards in three games against the Cats. Kadeem Carey, who was the Stamps' MOP, twenty-six yards in his one game. James Wilder, who at one point this year looked like he was the the league's best back, thirty-nine yards uh, in in his one game against Hamilton. Hamilton's run defense has been excellent this year. I think for the and and I do have to wonder if maybe they built this defense with the idea of if we get to the Grey Cup, we're probably going against Winnipeg. We have to stop number thirty-three, and they built a defense to do that. And throughout this season. We've seen them, especially big backs like Stanback, hold him to nothing. Now, obviously, without Ted Laurent in the lineup, that changes things, but I still think they can be successful with, with the run defense that they've had so far this year.
0: Who replaces Teddy Laurent?
1: Ah, that's a good question. My guess would be, uh, what's the kid's name? He's a rookie, which is scary. I know. Mm. You're just setting, you're setting me up to be like, he's not Ted Laurent. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing right now. <laughs> you're, I'm going to say a name. And you're going to be like, yeah, exactly. And it's going to be like, God damn it. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to look at the roster here and, uh, see who, if I can find who the defensive tackles are. Cause, yeah, like, obviously it's not a future Hall of Famer in Ted Laurent. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, Oh, they only have four defensive lineman, defensive tackles listed on the roster, and I don't think it's going to be Chris Malumba, who is the global player from Colorado, or Tom Schnitzler, who is the defensive tackle from UBC, who I believe is only on the team because he's a long snapper. So, I guess it's someone who's on the practice roster. I the only guy they have on the right. practice roster, they have uh, Lee Autry, who's from Mississippi State. So, my guess would be he's the guy that gets the call. Fair and now, enough. and now you get to, or maybe Eddie Wilson if Eddie Wilson's healthy.
0: Because right. Eddie Wilson has played um,
1: some games for this team in the past.
0: Well, maybe we have a diamond in the rough, and he can come in there and plug, you know, obviously not beat Ted Laurent, but do uh, a good job in the middle of that defensive line. But um, You're scared. You know, it, it, it's, it worries me. It worries me. I know Delike's been great at halfback, um, but it's not his, his, his normal position. Uh, and then you got and back there. At safety, I think they're going to try to go deep on him. Um, You know, he might make some mistakes. Uh, I know that he's been good in the playoffs as well, but, you know, he's still a young guy that hasn't played professional football for a very long time. And uh, I would be way more comfortable if we had, you know, if the defensive backs weren't injured and we had an American in there. Because, yeah, you can be great at UBC, but when you're in the Grey Cup game, um, it's going to be tough.
1: I mean, the Cats and Tonus has had two of his best games in the playoffs. So maybe he's just a gamer. Maybe he's a big game guy.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Uh I could be completely wrong, but
1: And how uh, often do uh, we just, how often do we see guys come out of nowhere in games like this, whether it be the Super Bowl or the Grey Cup or the, the National time. Championship? And it's like, where did this guy come from and has a big game? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm blinded because uh my colleague at three down JC Abbott has been so on the Cats and Tonus train that I've I've bought into the hype. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm not as concerned, and like we saw Adelicate in both playoff games play halfback and do pretty darn well. Yes, it's not his his normal position, but he's a damn fine athlete. And I know you said Catston played at UBC, Adelicate played at Carlton, and he's turned into a very 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 good Canadian Football League player. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just I'm sometimes it's uh, you got to give a guy an opportunity, and and when Catston has had his opportunities so far late in the year. He's come up. I'm, I'm not that concerned about the secondary, from being honest with you, because everyone else—you still have Siante Evans, um, you still have Jamal Roll, like it's still a, re- and you still have Carrell Brooks, like it's still a great secondary. I, I think you can mask some of the deficiencies, and I'm all not all that concerned about the Bombers' passing game. Like to me, the entire defensive game plan is stop—if you—if if Zach Calero's beats you, throwing for 350 yards, so be it. Like I would load up to stop Harris and and make. Caleros beat you with with deep throws and beat you throw into a decent but not great receiving core like it's it, to me it's it's similar in the NBA when you're like you're playing the Golden State Warriors and you're like okay you know if back in the day if JaVale McGee scores 25 and we lose I can handle that but I'm not going to let Steph score 50 and that to me is what it looks like with this I if if Andrew Harris runs for 75 yards and Zach Caleros throws for 400 who who's going to be the MLP this year too and the Ticats lose, it's like, okay, you know what? You, you tried your best, and, and the one guy, the, the quarterback just happened to be on his game. But I think that's the way to win this game is to make make the Bombers one dimensional. And the Ticats' run defense has been so good this year that I think that
0: that's a possibility. And uh, with the forecast, it might be tough to throw the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. gusts of uh, up to 45 kilometers per hour or something like that. I, I, Having I the wins
1: going to be a big a big advantage. And Tim Hortonsfield <laughs> always, I know you haven't been here for a game yet, but the winds are always really weird here. I mean, just
0: like uh, Ivor Wynn
1: used to be. Just like Ivor It's I don't know why it's be, created some sort of weird wind tunnel at the stadium, but the winds are always weird here. So the coin toss deciding who gets the ball first and who gets to decide on which side of the field they have could be could could prove to be uh, pretty important.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think another big thing in this game will be special teams. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like if, if, if we can get some good returns, get ourselves into a good field position, if Poppy White can, you know, you know, I don't expect him to break one again, but uh, he's he's shown that he can he can be dangerous back there. So uh, I think that's gonna be a big factor, You know, Jeff Reinbold, he might be pulling out some tricks out of the hat as well because we like we mentioned last week, we didn't see much uh, from him, you know, trick play wise in the whole season. And then um in the game against Toronto, they do that fake field goal, get the first down, and then we get a touchdown right after. So um this is what you save those plays for, right? for for championship games and, uh, it could be a big factor.
1: Do you not think that being at home is going to make a difference? Do, you, do you think I think that's, it will.
0: Yeah? yeah? I think it will. I think, uh, you know, I think the Ticat fans are going to be bringing the noise. Um, you know, it's, it's only going to be about 25,000, I think, but it will sound like 40 or 45,000 people. I, I truly believe that. Um, they're going to be up for this game. If I told you that the Ticats had
1: allowed just 21 first-half points and six first-quarter points at Tim Hortons Field this year. Would you believe me? No. Yeah. I would not. I I, I found that. I got that stat today. Wow. In in the seven games they played at home, they allowed basically – well, not just basically. They allowed an average of three points against in the first half. I'm not expecting that against Winnipeg, but if the Bombers go into the halftime with three points, the Ticats are going to win this football game.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um That'll be a tall task, but uh, you know, I think that like I said, I think the special team is gonna be a big part of this game. I think that coaching has to be mass like uh, Steinhauer, Condell, Mark Washington, they have to bring, you know, they have to be coached. They have to be the best coaches they can be on this day. They have to bring it. Um because you know, Winnipeg has a strong uh st- strong coaches and they have strong players. They're a very good team. We're obviously the underdog in this one. We're gonna need every bit of help uh, to win this game.
1: Even though you're you're down and negative um, and thinking it's going to be a slaughter, you still
0: excited? Yeah, uh, I am. Um, so you can the game, you can't, So
1: there's there's, there's got to be a small party then that doesn't necessarily believe that they're going to get their asses beat. Because if yes. you thought they were going to get their asses kicked, you'd probably be like, eh. Like because because I'll be honest with you, going back to 2013. I was super hyped after they beat the Argos in the East final. And then as soon as I saw Saskatchewan won, I was like, well, at least we got back to the Grey Cup. Yes. I knew th- I knew they were a land being led to slaughter. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, against the Stampeders, I was like sort of the same thing. But I'm like, look, it's a second year back there. Like, I don't know. This This feels... And that was before the Stamford kind of like... not. I won't say chokers in the Grey Cup because, I mean, they lost... In over overtime in one, and they lost by a field goal in the other. So it's not like they were they got their asses handed to them. And then the only one I was really disappointed with was the last one because we went fifteen and three, and it's like, okay, this is this should be the end of it. So like in twenty thirteen, I was just kind of like, okay, getting back, that was beating Toronto in the East final, that was our Grey Cup, because I knew that there was no chance they were going to win on the following Sunday. So there's got to be a small party, at least a tiny bit. That's that's the the irrational part of your brain because rationally I, I think I don't think you're wrong I'm just letting my irrational side because Winnipeg should eleven and three they were eleven they were what ten and one before and, and clinched everything before they started wrestling guys and it didn't matter what they did Winnipeg should be rightfully favored Winnipeg wins this game if Winnipeg blows them out it's to me it's not a surprise you know what I mean even with it being in Hamilton I would not be shocked if Winnipeg won this game and won it handily. But I'm not letting that side of my brain impact what I'm feeling going into it because I just keep thinking back, and I know I've harped on it. 2013, going into that buzzsaw, I think—I don't know if Winnipeg's— Winnipeg hasn't been to Hamilton this year. Winnipeg hasn't won in Hamilton since, like, 2017, I think. I I don't know. There's—all the little things that kind of make football championship games weird feels like, with the exception of Laurent's injury— kind of feels like it's in Hamilton's favor
0: it's a complete role reversal from 2019 right 100% the Ticats came in favorites they're 15 and 3 the Bombers you know weren't uh, not a lot of people were giving them a shot including ourselves we thought that they would win that game
1: I went on multiple radio shows and said this game's over by halftime now I was right I just was, <laughs> yeah. I just was right in the wrong direction. But no, I went yeah. on. I think I went on TSN radio before the 2019 Grey Cup, and I know I went on Sportsnet, and I said, and 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 here's the thing: usually, you go on those shows. Like I've been, I've done a few of them, and the host will try to find things to disagree with you on. But they were all like, "Yeah, no, Hamilton's going to win this by at least two touchdowns." Like everyone thought the Ty Cats were going to roll,
0: and then what happened? So. That's the thing, right? That's the it, thing. It's... I think we have a chance. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I think there's a, you know, I, I, there's a chance. Um, I'm gonna be pumped for this game, even though I think that they're probably gonna lose. But um, anything can ha- happen in one game, right? I mean, it's the Grey Cup. Um, we're at home. There's obviously a shot. We have a shot, and uh, for that reason, I'm I'm still very excited for this game. Um, I was just being maybe I was just being a negative Nancy today. Maybe it was just how I was feeling. <laughs> Or maybe, uh, or you
1: know what, I but I also understand, like, I, hey, dude, a week ago we sat here and I was like, man, I don't really care about the East final. All this BS that's happening behind mm-hmm. the scenes has kind of tempered my excitement for the game. And then Poppy White returns a, t- a punt for a touchdown. And all of a sudden I'm slapping my friend's basement floor and scaring the crap out of his kid because I'm screaming so loud. So yeah, yeah, we all sit here and say we're trying to, and I, and I, I think maybe it's, I don't know if it's necessarily...
0: It's mostly the defensive line that just scares the scares out. you. Are you it, just it having is.
1: flashbacks to 2019? Is that is that yeah. what it is?
0: Yeah, and you know the Ticats Cats have a way of letting you down, and in, yep. in the big games. And uh, we've been a fan of this team for you know
1: 30 almost years. 40,
0: yeah. almost 40 years basically. So um, it, we've had her uh, mostly downs, but a couple ups. So listen, anything can happen. It's one game. They're at home. Um, I, I'm, go, I'm going like I, when I wake up on Sunday, I'm gonna be, I probably won't be able to sleep Saturday night. You probably won't because you're actually going to the game. So I'm you'll gonna be, be there. More pumped.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty but, jacked. Uh,
0: I'm just, I'm glad they're in the game. Um, anything less than a victory it will be a disappointment because of the high expectations coming into this season. And uh, yeah, let's just go out there and they, they, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I hope
1: they do. I want nothing more than to have been in the crowd when they finally broke the the title uh-huh. streak i but to be to again and and i get i know people are always like it's championships or nothing it's champions nothing and you're and you're kind of like that and i don't have a problem with that with that mode of thinking at all it's the last game of the season and i have a rooting interest i'll take that every year i'll take yep. that every single if every single year for the rest of my life my team has a chance in any sport To be in the last game of the year, whether it's Game 7 of the World Series, Game 7 of the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl, Grey Cup, National Championship, like, whatever sport it is that I like, or that anyone likes, if your team is in the final game with a chance to win, that's really all you can hope for as a fan, is that you have that rooting interest at the end of the season. The last two times the CFL's played a season, we've got that. And for this game to be here in Hamilton, I don't, know. like, yeah... 2019, seems obviously too
0: fairy tale like, doesn't it for the Tiger Cats? Like it, we're at home. It
1: does, but does didn't it feel fairy tale like when it's like, what do you mean the Argos traded for Ricky Ray and they have the hundredth Grey Cup in Toronto and they sure. they're
0: yeah like but they I, they you know they have luck on their side sometimes. Sometime. Yeah, the Argos bounce. We, yeah,
1: well, but you, it, at some point luck has to reverse. Yeah, and what I mean, happens if, if the in Chicago the first quarter? Cubs, right?
0: Let's look at the Cubs. I mean, exactly, hundred eight years, the years before they won a
1: championship and they finally did it. Yep, it ends so. at some point.
0: We're not going to go the rest of our lives it's just like 100 years with the, with a <laughs> league that has 30 plus teams, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean it didn't always have that long uh, that many teams, but That's yes, right. for for the, but you know what I mean like the yeah. Leafs haven't won a Stanley Cup in 50 what years that it is. Eventually they're going to. It's just the, the law of averages suggests they'll find a way to finally actually win a championship. The Thai Cats are going to win a cha- especially in a league with so few teams, they're going to finally find a way to win a title. Why can't it be this year? The year yeah. that, that we came in going, some bozo said they're going undefeated and winning the whole damn thing. We get the long winding road, the ups and downs, the, the highs and lows. Doesn't this feel like the perfect Thai Cats championship, the year where you go in with high expectations? They kind of don't live up to them, but then... they Because they, they, this year they surprised me in, in some, some, like, some of the ways they lost. Can't this season end with the good surprise for once? like can't that be the the ending of the season yeah. in front of the, the only, hometown crowd? Come on,
0: yeah, that would be great, and the only way it could be more tie cats is if they went seven and seven yes, um, they narrowly, you know they went eight and six, and that's that's kind of tie cat record uh or you know the worst one in seventeen, but uh you know that's the right in the middle of where we where we get what we get from the tie cats, so <clears throat> I hope you're right. Uh, I hope that I'm celebrating on Sunday night. Uh, we we will
1: be celebrating because yes, absolutely. I will find a way to whether it's we'll oh, talk, he, we'll talk. We will whether it's a phone call or a text message. Man, if mm-hmm. they win on Sunday, that's yep, it's gonna happen.
0: It, yeah, absolutely.
1: I hope we're sitting. I just, uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of pumped. I'm pumped for this more than I think I uh, I thought I would be going in going into this game. It's just been uh, it's it's just it it's that it's here. It's that I'm gonna be there. Like. We, you and I went to the Grey Cup in Edmonton, and obviously I was hoping the Thai Cats would get there, and when they didn't, I was like, oh, that's a bummer, and then it was this Calgary and Ottawa, and I was just like, oh, God, the one matchup I absolutely didn't want to see. But I've always said to myself, and I don't know if I've said this publicly, but I always wanted, when the Cats were going to break the streak, I have three friends that I go to the games with. If the Cats were ever going to break the drought, I wanted to be there with them when it happened because we've been going to games together for over a decade, we've known each other i've been friends with one of one of these guys since 1993 i if if for us the four of us to be together in the stadium and again also fairy tale and the tie cats win the championship like that's i like obviously you're my friend i would love it if you were there with us as well but these are the four people that i've been closest with in my life for the majority of my life for us to all be together and this happens that's kind of the my personal fairy tale ending and i know we're getting sappy as we close the show here but stuff like that like especially the year that i've had with my grandmother passing away and with the pandemic having taken sort of all the fun out of everything and not being able to see people this would just be uh for what's been kind of a crappy last two years being with my friends at the stadium watching the tie cats win would kind of not make what we went through the last couple of years worth it but it might help ease it and let it go away, you know, yeah, for me personally, it, obviously that, yeah. that's not, that's not a universal thing. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's my own personal experience.
0: Uh, that would be great. And uh, you know, if they do win it, it's going to be in dramatic fashion because that's, you know, that's uh that's the tie cats way Tiger cats as well, you know, coming down to the last minute and it'll be a dramatic ending. Um, and we'll have a heart attack, you know, halfway through the game, but Fingers crossed, man. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be uh, sitting there. Uh, nobody we sit- wants him to win more than, you know, you and I or, you know, the fans of the Thai Cats. So uh, here's hoping they can pull it out.
1: No time left. Down two. Michael oh, Domagala goes out the there.
0: The kicker. The kicker.
1: Nails a 55-yarder to win the <laughs> Grey Cup.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would, imagine that, eh? Right? Half, half would, of like, the fan base I,
1: would die before the kick went through the uprights because we'd all no. have heart attacks worrying yeah. that he's going to miss it.
0: Domagala, the uh tie Cat legend yeah. after that kick. Joins
1: Ozzy on the pantheon of, of Ticat Cat kickers because yep. of one kick. Mm-hmm. Why why can't it be that? I don't know. I'm I personally I'm hoping that they win like forty to six and yeah. and it's a party for the entire second half, but I don't think that's very likely. I just uh no. I'm just I'm just super excited. I I do you know. We're rambling here. I think we should just uh we should just call it a day. But uh we will be back next week, uh win or lose, to talk about the Grey Cup. Hopefully it's win and not lose, but I don't know, man, it's uh, it's Grey Cup Sunday. It it felt for, it's been over two years since we had one of these and it felt like it was never going to get here and we're down to the last game of the season and the Ticats are in it. Can't ask for much more, can you?
0: No, I can't complain about that. I will, uh, you know, I'd rather be there, but uh, I'll have my traditional uh, Grey Cup balls, Grey Cup meatballs in the slow cooker and- uh, With the Diana sauce? Nachos on a nice big TV, so You got got uh, the Diana? You're rolling with the Diana sauce? Oh. Original Diana sauce. Oh, yeah, baby. There oh, we yeah. go. The Mike special. It's Cup tradition in my family for uh, many, many years, so I, I will uh, continue that.
1: Well, here's the beauty. The t- Grey Cup's going to be here in two years, and yeah. that will you'll be here for that one, and we'll be celebrating the team winning three in a row.
0: There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Just <laughs> be there for the Dynasty Championship. The,
1: yeah, for when Banks and Lawrence and all those guys win their third one and get to go mm-hmm. out on top. That's the one you want. The 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 Mosca. And you know what? That's something we need to talk about. This is the first Great Cup tight cats have played in since seventy two. angela Mosca's last game. We lost Big Ange this year. That's another one of those like little things where you're like, that's the extra boot. Meant you know be. what I mean?
0: Yeah, kind of like a meant to be type feel to Yeah.
1: It. Like wish he was here, but he's not, so the spirit the spirit mm-hmm. kind of lifts the team. I don't Win know man. Win it
0: for ange. Win it for ange. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I just,
0: I there you go. Know. We'll end it on uh, some positivity.
1: There we go. So that was Podski for this week. I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm my Graham. Eat em raw. Eat em raw.